Random Inks Productions presents a Credible Nerds podcast. The Credible Nerds present More Than Meets the Eye, a Transformers podcast. Autobots transform! <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin, and today we are reviewing the Transformers series, where this is the new More Than Meets the Eye series about the the Transformers, and this is episode two. We'll be talking about the first Transformers film that came out in 2007 and was directed by Michael Bay. And our previous episode covered the prequel, Bumblebee, that came out in 2018. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, go back and listen to that episode from a couple months ago. But uh, so we'll be covering this film, Transformers 1. Like I said, I'm your host, Justin, and I have my co-host with me, Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? And we also have our special guest, Transformers expert, Kimball. Hello, friends. How are you doing today? First off, we'll start with the details of this film. Like I said, it was released in 2007 and was directed by the infamous Michael Bay. And it stars Shia LaBeouf as Sam Witwicky. Megan Fox as Michaela Baines, Josh Duhamel as Captain Lennox, Tyrese Gibson as Sergeant Epps, Rachel Taylor is the analyst uh, Maggie Madsen, Anthony Anderson as Glenn Whitman, John Boyt as Defense Secretary John Keller, John Tortoro as Agent Simmons from Sector 7, and that's the, the general big players of this film. And we can't forget Mojo, the dog, right? Yeah, he's a good dog. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's the tail of the tape. Uh, we'll start off by just breaking into the, the first part of this this film. Uh, it starts out with we see the all spark or the cube floating through space, right? That's how it starts out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of tells us a, a, a little bit of backstory that the all spark is what's responsible for powering the transformers is their source of transformingness i guess you could say any thoughts or insight on the cube and where it comes from Mm. well the cube it's kind of a when i first watched this movie uh 10 years ago or so it was just like when i first heard the story it was like ah this is a interesting you know origin of a species and it didn't seem like too great like oh i want to know more about that but it kind of grew on me. It's like it's a cube. It's different. It's not like your traditional uh, thing that creates life. Um, and it, it kind of makes it uh, stand out for that reason. Yeah. What about for you, Mark? Just thoughts on the cube? Yeah. I don't know if we ever really learn what the cube – I mean, we, we don't made life on Mega, uh, on um, their home planet, but we don't really know its origins. Like, did it create other life? Did it – you know, what was where did it come from? Was it made, you know, and obviously it's been around for a super long time, but we just don't really know a ton about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just kind of there. It's floating through space. It seems like it's uh, a MacGuffin, just kind of a story device to move the story for something for everyone to chase and try to recover and gain power. Nothing too deep about it. 
So, which can be good. We don't need to know a whole about backstory about that and where it comes from. But at the same time, it is mysterious. And part of me does want to know more about it. But we don't get that. Even the Autobots, they don't really know. Because, I mean, the first line of the film, it says, before time began, there was the cube. We know not where it comes from, but that it holds power to create worlds. So, like, I mean, even they don't know. So it's not like they're just withholding information purposefully from us so we can find out later in the film. I guess they just wanted to keep it simple and mysterious for now, the the writers of it, because even the primes don't know where it came from. Yeah, all right. So this film starts off with, takes a couple minutes to get into it, but that's just fine. But it starts off pretty action-packed. We see uh, this helicopter flying towards this military base in the Middle East to, to Qatar. And we're introduced to Captain Lennox and Sergeant Epps and their whole team. The helicopter lands. It's really a Decepticon, of course, and it starts to wreak havoc. And it steals a bunch of data and information from the military. And this signal or the sound is heard that comes into play later on. But So there's this uh, battle in the desert with uh, Scorponok. He's tracked this military team down. And they're fighting each other. They're shooting at each other. And this, these planes come in. They they call in the 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 birds, and they come in just start dropping bombs and shooting these high caliber bullets at them. And they shoot off Scorponok's tail, and he and he leaves. So they're able to get that tail and end up studying it to see if there's some kind of weakness. There's also some scenes with the Department of Defense where we have Maggie Madsen and her team, along with Glenn Whitman, played by Anthony Anderson. Where they try and track the you know the signal, trying there's this code that they try and crack, and they end up doing that and figure out who they're communicating with, and so they are able to get some intel as a result of that attack. So um, then we cut from there. We cut to our main characters, Sam Witwicky, and we see him at school. He's this fast talker. He's kind of weird and just. I don't know. I think he has ADHD or something. He's just all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. There's definitely something, a a screw or two loose up there. He's very eccentric and wild. Yeah. Look, he had a dream, okay? And uh, in his dream, he, dang, I don't remember what his dad said or what he said to the teacher. Yeah. Okay, that was fun. (laughs) Um, So he's he's trying to get an A. So he's... (laughs) Trying to impress the teacher, he's selling his grandpa stuff. He, I guess, he wrote like a an essay on his grandfather, who was an explorer, and he brought some of the props and he's trying to sell them because ultimately he wants to buy a car and he can't get a car unless he gets an A. So he talks the teacher into getting giving him an A minus. So he meets up with his dad. He's all excited. They go to the Porsche dealership and he's like, "No way, you're getting me a Porsche." <laughs> his dad's like, "Hi, in your dreams," and drives off, and they go to this used. That was so car. funny. Yeah. I love that part. Right. That'd be so I cool to push. do with my kids. Yeah, that's a classic dad scene. I, I wish I could have done that. But so anyway, <laughs> uh, they end up. We see this old yellow beetle, and we're like, "Oh, maybe that's Bumblebee." But then uh, this Camaro drives up, parks, and no one's driving the car, so we know that that's a transformer. It's Bumblebee. And as far as connecting this film with the previous prequel. That came out last year, Bumblebee. Uh, they did a good job at the end of that film, Bumblebee. They had Bumblebee transform from a VW Bug to a new Camaro, which, from what I can tell, it's the same model and and everything. So, but at that time, at the end of Bumblebee film, it's brand new, and in this film, the start of this film, it's all beat up, and so it's probably the same car is what we're led to believe. So he's able to get that car. He goes home, and 
him and his buddy go to this party and we meet up with our, our other main character, Michaela Barnes. And she's this hottie that's partying with the, the jocks who she likes. I guess one of them is her boyfriend. And he tries to impress her, but doesn't really go over. But she gets mad at her boyfriend and just starts to walk home. So he sees he seizes the moment. We get the infamous line. The buddy tells him, bros before hoes, right? And he's like, no way. <laughs> and he takes <laughs> off and picks up Michaela. They go for a ride. So what do you guys think of this scene where he's has his chance? He tries to impress her, and but he's nervous as all get out. Mark, what do you think? Um, he he's got zero play, right? <laughs> I mean, you you gotta you gotta do better than that, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's your one chance at fame, and she walked away. Like, come on now, you know. Then he's socially awkward, <laughs> and you know, just horrible. I don't know. It, it works out though. It all worked out. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, I did think it was pretty witty, you know, and he starts talking to the boyfriend and he's just like, you know, his, his boyfriend's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, like uh, starts being like one of those bully punk kids are. Yeah. And, uh, then he like slams him and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I was making a, uh, doing a research paper about, you know, brain injuries in football, you know, <laughs> you guys would love it. You know, it's like got coloring places and things yeah. like that. Just <laughs> like, that's legit. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a good comeback. What about for you, Kimball? Did it work for you, this, uh, yeah, this introduction? It was all right. It made me cringe and just wish that Sam wasn't uh, so dumb when it came to talking to girls. But then again, how many of us were that great or smooth uh, in high school talking with girls? They had the car, which actually turned out to be a good thing because apparently Michaela is this very, you know, huge grease monkey and just knows everything about engines which you wouldn't expect that um just looking at her just because she's hot and hangs around with the jocks but she knows her stuff and so it's a good thing that he had bumblebee with him because when she lifts the hood of bumblebee he just there's this nice perfectly sculpted engine inside yeah <laughs> no grease no wear yeah <laughs> perfect it's all shiny but yeah. somehow i never understood it's that engine so nice why does the car sometimes stall or it dies or wouldn't start. Maybe that was just Bumblebee doing that and not like, you know, his mechanics himself. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been. So he gives, ends up giving Michaela a ride home. They connect. He's excited after he drops her off. So he likes her. She, we don't know about her. Uh, if she likes him at least at that point, but um, they have a connection there. So he goes home. We meet his parents. Um, they were probably for me, the worst part of the film. They were just, I mean, they had some funny lines here and there, but overall, they were just super annoying. Man, dumb too, especially the mom. Yeah, yeah. And then we see Mojo, and he's taking drugs because he had surgery or something. Um, yeah, so that's his life. That's our hero, Sam. Which I think went a long way to showing us that even though he's the main character, he's not necessarily the hero of the story. He's along for the ride like we are with these transformers. So that's what I took out of it. So he has this new car and we find out that the car is eccentric and it has a mind of its own. And he ends up uh, getting in a chase with the car. Bumblebee's trying to track him down. He's trying to escape. He ends up meeting Michaela again, just randomly in the streets, which was convenient. But uh, the Decepticons are tracking down Bumblebee and Sam gets involved. So now Bumblebee and Michaela are being chased by the Decepticons barricade the police car and in this chase they finally get away and this is when bumblebee signals the autobots to come and come to earth and this is when optimus prime and the others show up they 
come as these comets and they crash land on, or meteors, I guess, and they crash on Earth. Then they meet up and introduce themselves to Sam and Michaela. So do we know why Bumblebee signaled them? I think he was signaling them for help because he knew something about the Decepticons strength or at least he couldn't handle them all on his own so i think he was just signaling them for help okay did he know about the allspark uh i think he knew about it but i didn't i don't think he knew it was there yeah and i i'm wondering if that's why he went and you know raised him it's because like hey this kid's got the allspark you know what i mean oh yeah this is where the glasses come into play right Mm -hmm. yeah that's right i forgot about that side plot ladies man 217 (laughs) yeah Yeah, so he's trying to sell his grandpa's stuff, like we said earlier, but he lists them on eBay. And I guess there's a map or something in the lens of the glass. It's coordinates. Yeah, and so that's the Decepticons. When they're scanning the databases, they they find it. And then I guess Bumblebee learns about that too. So, so they're chasing Sam because he still has the glasses. And Bumblebee's trying to get him away from the Decepticons because of the... Okay, yes, I forgot about that little piece. What did you guys think about that little side story? Um, well, as far as Bumblebee telling the Autobots to come in, that's one of my favorite parts of the whole yeah. film is you see all these asteroids coming and hitting the Earth. Like This is when you get introduced to the score of the Transformers theme, which is just, in my mind, like one of the best themes um, for such a, I guess, a subpar movie. I just think this theme just blows away um the movie it's just so good it's my favorite and i really like the scene the the scene of all the autobots just coming in crash landing and then you watch them get into their car form they're scanning some of them scan these nice luxury cars some of them scan you know like a dump truck or a big semi truck and you just kind of see them all um, starting their life on earth and i really like how they how uh, michael bay introduced them yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, there's something surreal to say about like how it introduced it Optimus Prime to me, you know. Yeah, you saw him come and I mean, you saw him kind of transform a little bit, but like that was the hero moment, right? He gets out of the water, he's there, and then you see him transform into the truck, you know, yeah. the iconic truck that everyone knows. And uh, that was just, I I really did enjoy that part. But I was just like, oh yeah, this is takes me right back to my childhood. Yeah, yeah. All right. So at this point, so um, Optimus Prime, they meet up with Sam and Michaela and Bumblebee, and he gives them a history of the planet Cybertron. What do we learn about Cybertron here? We learn that there's a war between the Decepticons and the Autobots that's been going on for a long time. And then what? Mm, I mean, I think we learned that it's a dying world, right? Like it's kind of what I got from it is it was a huge civil war where you know, it was pretty much catastrophic. Like Cybertron's done, you know, it's not livable anymore. So that's kind of what I got. And that's why, uh, I mean, you kind of see that at the end of the film, you know, uh, you know, them finding a new home and, uh, you know, when their goal should be, if they could go back, would be go back to Cybertron. Let's go back home. You know, we got what we came for, but, uh, you know, I think that, you know, for, uh, for that story, I, I just kind of got, yeah, it's, it's done, you know, when we're looking for this to try to restore it. Yeah. So when did the war end? Like well, how much time passed between the war ended or I guess the Autobots left and they come to Earth? Was that like sequential? I or guess, was... 
a long time. From what we know from this film up to this point, if you haven't seen any others, it makes it seem like it's been years. If Megatron crash landed a century ago, then it makes it seem like, well, this was a war that took place a while ago. But if you've seen the other films, it's pretty recent, like almost as if it's still going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in the future films, they all reference the war and they show a little bit of it, what the war was like. Hmm. Okay. So did, did the Autobots come from Cybertron directly to Earth or were they somewhere else? It made it seem uh, like they did. I thought that's what the case was. Yeah, I, that's a good question. I don't really know because uh, obviously Cybertron's far away. Um, that That's a good question. I, I'm not really sure where they came from. I wouldn't assume they were still on Cybertron, but I mean, I guess it makes sense that they could be. Uh, the war was still going, but to me, it sounded like the war was pretty much over, you know, especially when you uh, when you hear more about it with Sentinel Prime in the next movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think we really get that. It's pretty general explanation of the war and the AllSpark and how they came to Earth. So we'll have to look into that. Probably a comic or something. I mean, they like to do that. So, so anyway... Sam and Michaela get a rundown of Transformers history and why they're there on Earth to get the AllSpark. And at that point, we are introduced to Sector 7. They go home to get the glasses, but then the secret Sector 7 army group comes to their house and kidnaps Sam, Michaela, his parents. Then the Transformers intervene and rescue them. So we're introduced to John Turturro's character, Agent Simmons. And for me, this was another annoying character. A lot of great yeah, stuff, yeah. a lot of great characters, but a lot of annoying, some annoying characters too. Uh, for you, Mark, how how did you view Agent Simmons? Could he have been cuts? Could we get something else or what? For me, he was like the perfect government tool with way too much, you know, with like, you know, what is it? Little man syndrome, right? I just, I don't know. Like, I just have this idea that uh, the government's always known a lot more than they're telling us, right? Right. And that there probably is groups like Sector 7 out there for whatever dumb reason there is, you know, whether it's aliens in Roswell or, you know, freaking Jolly the Green Giant walking down the road, whatever it is, right? Like, I just have this weird feeling that, that there's this uh, thing. And so when I think about it, I always think about guys like this, you know what I mean? Some paper push guy that got some power and now all of a sudden uh, he became relevant because a certain set of circumstances made it so. Yeah. And and so for me, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like uh, why he was annoying. I, I feel like that's exactly what it would probably be like. OK, that's a fair argument. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, he was annoying. Um, I didn't like him, but it fits with the I mean, he's kind of the one of the enemies of um, Sam with Wiki. And he's just as weird yeah. as this guy. But yeah, I mean, like Mark was saying, you kind of got to be a little bit weird to be in this industry, I guess, uh, to be covering up secrets, to learn about all this secret stuff that you're keeping from from the public. But I think they overdid it with his character. I think it could have been a little bit different, but that kind of matches how Michael Bay wanted it. Yeah. Okay. So they eventually end up going to the Hoover Dam because they find that there's some secrets there. And so they, they go there uh, and they end up meeting with uh, Maggie Madsen and Glenn Whitman from earlier. And they team up together and they're introduced to NBE-1, as Agent Simmons calls him. 
but Sam Witwicky and everyone else knows him as Megatron. We find out he came to Earth, I don't know, a long time ago, and he was ended up getting frozen in ice as he was searching for the Allspark, and he's been frozen there for a while. Then he is transported to Hoover Dam where they keep him frozen still so they can study him and retro create uh, all this new technology that we have nowadays supposedly was from Megatron. So my question is why, how did Megatron, he's so supposed to be such this evil character, but yet he crashes and gets frozen for a long time. Does that fit his character? That's, I mean, what do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how he could have got frozen like yeah. instantly enough to stop working, you know, when he crash landed, maybe he was on like low power mode, kind of like Bumblebee was and uh-huh. somehow survived. Um, so yeah. And then how did they like, how did sector seven know that he was evil enough to keep him frozen because they knew, knew he was a threat. Otherwise they would have just, you know, kept him alive. So how'd they know, to keep him frozen and how did they keep him frozen from Antarctica all the way to Nevada? <laughs> yeah. And this is back in the thirties. Cause I think they said they built the dam because they won't needed to house uh, NBE one or Megatron. Yeah. To hide his uh, radiation signature or something like that. His energy signature. Yeah. Cause of all the, the concrete was enough to yeah hide that all that radiation. Yeah. Any thoughts, Mark? Um, I I don't know. Those are good questions, you know, that only really big nerds think about. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, we're not. I, they kind of explain it, right? Like the the uh the gravity of the moon or the sun or something like that kind of threw off his telemetry. Uh, so that's why he crash landed. Um, I don't understand, like you said, why he froze so quick. But I guess you know, if you land in that on. Antarctica and landed, you know, go through ice and into the water. I'm sure you'll fri- freeze. I, I just don't know. Yeah, it's kind of kind of weird though. Like, hey, I'm gonna go to Earth to check this out, but I'm not gonna do any of my homework, and then I'm gonna, you know, crash in Antarctica. Yeah, that that's my plan. It's like it's like a pinky in the brain plan, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. and we got about the same results. So I, I don't know. It was kind of. I mean, it was great for the storyline, but. I mean, as we've seen with Michael Bay, right? I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of fillers that make sense on the surface, but once you think about it, you're like, oh, that doesn't actually make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as we're doing this episode, I'm realizing I kind of knew it before, but I'm really realizing now that I think we're thinking too much. We're trying to uh, analyze it too much when it's not meant to meant to be no, anyway. No yeah. I mean, yeah, I think. Surface right? It's not deep. It's uh, about transformers that come to earth, right? I mean, that's the story. So let's not think about the other stuff. Yeah. Not worry about how Megatron could get frozen or where the Decepticons yeah. came from in the first place. That's too much. Gosh, too much dang it. Just, just go with the story. Just accept it. All There's right. transformers on earth. Who cares what happened? Yeah. Okay. We can do that. So, something I noticed when rewatching this recently is that they made it seem like the transformers came from mars and if you watch the trailer on youtube that's uh-huh. how they portray it as like because there's a scene where they're where that rover on mars is looking around and then you could see it look at a at one of the decepticons and they kind of make it seem like oh they came from mars um and they tried to do that a little bit in the film but it's like it's just a huge plot hole like no they didn't come from mars at all but the trailer wanted us to seem like that's what happened and oh, that really irritated me when i saw that yeah i forgot about that 
It's true. Maybe they were just having a pit stop on Mars and they saw the rover and decided mm-hmm. to smash it. Once again, we're thinking yeah. too much. Thinking too much. Yeah, we, we can't <laughs> do that with these films. <laughs> so anyway, from there they go. They get the, the cube is there also um, under the Hoover Dam. So they get the cube. Um, Megatron wakes up uh, and Starscream shows up. So the bad guy's loose and they go to, <laughs> there's another kind of weird thing. They're like, well, let's go to this big city with all these civilians and hide. And then we'll have this big battle there in the middle of the city with all these innocent people. Nothing yeah, they thought that was there. a good idea. <laughs> but like you guys said, it's it's awesome. It's a great, st- a great movie moment. So they all go to this city called Mission City, which is basically LA. And I thought it was Las Vegas. Was it? Uh, I, I figured because they're close to the Hoover Dam. Like that's the closest unless they want to go to St. George. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't St. George. It was more yeah, LA. They never do St. George. <laughs> yeah, it could be LA, I guess. Because there wasn't any of the hotels. That's another thing with this film is they would travel places in like a minute, right? They'd drive their car a minute in the in the on the other side of the country. But right, that's why yeah. I thought LA would be too far for them to make it there. Here's what I don't understand. Why wouldn't they just all be like, like fighter jets and stuff? Yeah. Like, oh, let me get on this four-wheel vehicle and travel across the way when I could just, like, be a helicopter or something. Like, no wonder the Decepticons won. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're all flying machines. All the Autobots are cars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they go to Mission City. There's this huge, really awesome battle that goes on for quite some time. And humans are in the middle of it, but I don't think anybody really dies as far as humans. There's a couple, some Autobots that die. Or get destroyed. Um, but they end up fighting over the cube, Optimus and Megatron. And uh, ultimately, Sam puts the cube into Megatron and it's an overload of power and it kills him. And then it, Optimus is saved. So Sam's the hero. But I, I think there's quite a number of scenes in this movie where it was just amazing. That It was so amazing that you would forget about these things that we've been talking about that don't make any sense but in the in the film you're like wow this is this is so awesome and this final battle is is one of those these scenes just you're you get so involved in what's going on i mean that's one thing that michael bay does great is action sequences right and i think it's in this film it's it's pretty tight you know this event leads to this event to this event type thing and there's a path and it makes sense but as i watched the other ones there were parts where i'm like how did they get here what (laughs) So I don't know if there's some editing things that we missed, but um, in future movies, it seems a little more scattered. But this one, as far as story goes, it's pretty linear. It's um, sequential. It makes sense for the most part. You're not left scratching your head. Now, how did they get from here to there? And what happened in between? You know, am I missing something? At least that's how I came away with it. Um, as far as the flow and structure of the story, did you guys have any concerns or s- something that was didn't make sense or anything like that Kimball? there was a lot but i think we covered a lot of it and you made up a good point about the visual effects like i, I think uh, michael bay is kind of like a magician for movies he distracts you to looking one way and then he does his trick so you don't see how he does his trick and so he's distracting us from all the plot holes of his films just with these great special effects that you just you know you have to like they're really good he did good work with them yeah. i mean even just even special effects where like there's not like buildings being blown up or you know missiles and guns like a scene where they're just driving through the desert like he makes that look really good 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, think about that final fight too, you know, where Iron Ironhide runs and jumps over and that lady's screaming, you know, and he's like going over. So I'm like, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that scene. Yeah, and it's just like, I mean, that's what he brought us. I mean, he brought, and, and that's what he got known for, And right? I mean, really after that is you knew what you were getting in the Transformers movie. Uh, but it, it was just so amazing, those, those special effects and the ways he did them. And, and like you said, you know, just made us about all these poles that we, we probably noticed in the movie, but we were just so engrossed in how awesome it looked. We didn't care. Yeah. And, you know, and we were left with, you know, this, surface masterpiece of amazingness and uh i mean i just loved it i mean all of it you know to the very end you know i mean i remember when uh you know sam witwicky was just like no sacrifice no victory and i'm like yeah you can do it buddy you know i'm with you you know i loved it yeah yeah that's a good point that's the strength of these movies is just you don't think you just watch and enjoy it um from the beginning when Scorponok is fighting the the military or blackout is attacking all the tanks and helicopters i mean from that moment you're just engrossed and it's just you're just following it and there's a couple of annoying parts but overall i mean even the like Kimball said, when they're driving through the desert, they got the cars are all clean and shiny, and you're just like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" All the way through to the end. So, and I, I do remember saying to my wife, I came home, she's like, "How was it?" And I was like, "Oh, it was amazing. It's the, one of the best films I've ever seen." But you can't think about it; you just have to watch it and enjoy it. <laughs> and then I actually took her a couple of days after, if not the next day, and she liked it too. I mean, she was she likes action movies and she enjoyed it. So yeah, yep, it's uh. It's definitely a good show. I mean, definitely great movies. Good start to the series. Yeah. Um, I, out of all of them, honestly, it's probably still my favorite one. Yeah. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like some of the others. I like what they have to offer. Right. Uh, but really, you're just watching the same show with, you know, that's been reskinned is kind of what I feel like. And, and so, yeah, I mean, why the storyline sort of progresses and stuff. I mean, really, we're just getting cool, awesome CGI fighting scenes with, with some, you know, loose storyline thrown in. (laughs) So I don't know. I just, I just like the first one the best. I just, uh, it's great. I mean, I did like when Sam Witwicky beat up, uh, what's his name, right? Uh, Guy from Grey's Anatomy. Oh yeah. McDreamy. Yeah. Yeah. That that was cool. But yeah. I still like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the better ones. It holds up over time like we talked about earlier. So, as a first movie, does it introduce enough of the mythology of Transformers where you buy into this universe and then as the subsequent films come along, does it build on that this first film or are we like, you know, are we believing what's going on? Um mm. does, it, does it do that? A little bit. It could have been better. Like, I think they could have shown more scenes of Cybertron, at least. Yeah. Done more of a history of it. They focused a lot on the cube, which I guess, yeah, that's where they get their power. And that's kind of what created life. But I wanted to see more scenes from Cybertron and how, I mean, what is there? Is it like one big machine? What does Cybertron look like? Do they have animals or plants on their planet? Or how is that? Yeah. So, yeah, so we get a little taste of it, but not enough. How does it link in with the rest of the series, the subsequent movies? Is there an ongoing storyline? Do we, does Sam Witwicky's character grow as we go along? Or does it matter? Are we thinking too much again? Hmm. Yeah, Sam does grow a bit in the next films. You could definitely see a change, a maturity with him, which is good. He's not just the same high schooler like he is in this film. Yeah. Okay. 
how well does it sync up with uh, last year's Bumblebee? Hmm. I think it, it ties in pretty well. There's a few plot holes with Bumblebee, like when Sector 7 was formed. Because um, like when in Bumblebee, they come in in 1987 and they act like they've never seen a Transformer before, yet they've been hiding Decepticon or NBE-1 since the 30s. So, like, are there just different branches of Sector 7 that they people just don't know what the other person, like, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing? Um, I'm wondering if that's the case since they're so secretive that even their own people don't know what they're doing. So there's a few plot holes like that, but it seems to tie in fairly well. Yeah. I think initially in the early drafts of the script, I read this, that they were trying to show a connection that, you know, they knew NBE one was there. It was a part of sector seven, but it was just, it took too long or it was a side story that didn't really match up with the rest of the film is what they, their reasoning was. So I'll, they didn't get included in the final script and in the film, I think they might've even shot some pre-visual stuff with it. But so I guess technically, like you said, it could be, you know, that's a, an even higher clearance that no one in, that we saw in the, in Bumblebee had. So and they could still explain it away, I guess. So it, it's loosely there, loosely syncs up, I guess. Uh, we talked about Sam Wick, Wiki a lot. Do we like him? Is he a good protagonist? Does he carry this film? How did he play for you, Mark? Uh, I, I think it brought the human element to it, and that's what we connect with, right? I mean, yeah. uh, it'd be tough to make... Um, you know, one of the Transformers, more the main character, just because it's not, we're not Transformers. So it's hard for us to connect to an alien and a robot alien that turns into things like that. So I think it was a good human connection to it. But like you said, I mean, he ends up being the main character, but, you know, he's not the hero. He's not the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, Optimus Prime is the hero. In every every movie, he's zero, And he's who we cheer for and want. But, you know, we we, I think we connect with these, other characters and it helps draw us in yeah yeah and he's a teenager and you could say that this film is made for two groups of people teenagers and those of us who played with the transformers as kids when we were teenagers so it's marketed to our inner teenager i guess you could say uh, so we can have that connection that human element like you talked about yeah because it's basically it's it's, the story is surrounded around a boy in his car yeah. Which, when you turn 16, the most of us, that's all we could think about is just driving and having that freedom. And if you were rich enough to get your own car, like, even better than, you know, yeah. you could show that off with your friends. You can pick up chicks like uh, Sam Witwicky did with Michaela. Like, that's kind of what this, um, you're right, it connects to your inner teenager. They And I think they do well with that, with the, the connection of a boy in his car. Yeah. So how would you compare him to... Charlie from Bumblebee. Mm, not as annoying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Charlie wasn't as annoying. Right. Yeah, I think I liked her better. Than uh-huh. Sam, so, but um, but then I don't know. Charlie seemed not as human. Like how she was just kind of like like had the attitude, or was just kind of like always cold. You know, always putting up a wall. Like yeah. I don't like that. That's true. Uh, as much as. Um, how Sam's annoying character was like I can I can tolerate how Sam was because he just seems more flawed more human than someone who's just trying to be tough all the time or someone who had a rough childhood and so that's what explains how their behavior is like Sam I mean he 
didn't have a rough childhood and you can just see him for what he is. Like he doesn't have any grudges. He's not mad at the world. He's just a regular boy. And I do like that. I think they did that well with him. You don't get this kid who, you know, had parents that died or had to raise himself. Like Sam had two parents. Like you rarely get that in, um, in teen movies or movies where the, the main character is a teen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So there were some good things about Sam now that we think about it. Uh, Michaela, uh, do we like her? What does she bring to the story? So again, our inner teenager appealing to that. <laughs> well, she had she did some good things. I mean, she's um, at the end. She had her moment in the Battle of Mission City, where Bumblebee was wounded, and she got the the tow truck and drove him through the the town backwards so he could fight. So she had some skills and things that she she's brought. A really good driver. I mean, how do you drive in reverse? Yeah, a tow truck, do all that. Like, she's a yeah. good driver. But for a lot of the film, she was just kind of there with Sam to be his motivation. Mm -hmm. She wasn't fully fleshed out like she could have been, at least her character. All right. So final thoughts on Transformers 1 from 2007. Kimball, what do you think of Transformers? Of this one? Yeah. It's, um, I would probably give it a B um, in rating. It wasn't the best. It's not my favorite of the series as we continue on all. I'll reveal that to you guys. Um, it's just, it's a little bit slower to me. Um, and I think it's funny that um, Megatron dies in this one because yeah. he dies in every film. <laughs> yeah. And it's always funny how he can just come back to life. But Megatron really just dominates Optimus Prime, like in every single battle. He's so much bigger. He's a better fighter. Like, man, it, they do show, even though Optimus Prime is like the hero of the Autobots, like he really, you know, gets it handed to him every single time he's fighting against Megatron. Um, but overall, the story, I think it does its its duty in introducing this new world to us. And I like the film. It's good. And rewatching it is still pretty good. As, although I don't know many people who are fans of this series these days i think we're probably one of the few that still enjoys these films but i like them and i'll probably keep watching them yeah okay for you mark final thoughts uh great great movie all the all the way around uh it's hard to not like it i think you know i think uh this can't even be described as a guilty pleasure for me you know as far as (laughs) movies go i just like it um it uh i i think as if i take the Transformers series, everyone as a whole, I have to give it an A+. I think if I uh, compare it to all the other movies at the time, right, because times have changed, movies have changed, you know, uh, you know, and I take in a storyline and all that effect, I have to give it an A+. And uh, so I give it two A-pluses no matter what. I, I love this show. Yeah, it's got holes in it, but I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a freaking movie. Yeah. And... Uh, and I, I really like it. I, I continue to watch it today, right? I mean, 12 years later. Yeah. And I continue to, to really, really enjoy it. So, um, I mean, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it in a while, grab it, pick it up. It, it's a great show all the way around. I I wish that I knew what they were doing for the future or they'd get more because I'd love to watch more. And and I that's what's crazy is everyone like bags on this show. Like, oh man, it's Transformers and all the holes in the stories and blah, blah, blah. We know what we're getting with Michael Bay. And then everyone goes and sees it, sees it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so you can't go wrong with it. Yeah. I mean, it, like, like you said, it, we know what it is. We know what we're getting. And you just have to go with it. So, 
Yeah, I would say, I would agree with what you guys say for the most part. Um, for me, it's definitely an A movie wow. as far as um, action, story, some, I don't know about character developments, at least in this film, but I mean, it's good enough that you watch it and you're like, yeah, that was cool. And then you wait a few more months and you watch it again. Oh yeah, that was cool. So every time you go back to it, it's not like you're bored or you're thinking, why, why did I watch that again? That was dumb. At least for me, I, I enjoy it every time I watch it. I watch it at least once a year, sometimes twice. So it's definitely worth the time to do so. I also forgot one of my favorite sequences is when they're coming into Mission City and they're on the, the freeway and there's that whole freeway battle between Optimus and the Decepticons. And they just lay waste to all these cars. And I mean, if you oh, know Michael yeah. Bay, he always does these highway scenes, highway chase scenes in his movies. They're just epic. And this is definitely one of those. So um, it's pretty cool. Pretty sweet uh, sequence. Yeah. There. I love that when Optimus kills that Decepticon by like making his sword glow bright red. And then he just cuts his, I think he just, yeah, just sticks it in his head. And that part's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. So yeah, lots of good sequences and um, definitely worth watching every so often. So, well, we want to thank you guys for joining us here on our More Than Meets the Eye Transformers series. This is episode two of Transformers 1 from 2007. Next up will be episode three, Revenge of the Fallen. This one was interesting, but we'll get into it more. Uh, But I'm excited to watch this one again and uh, go through that storyline. The Fallen storyline expands on the mythology of the, the series introduces some new characters some new transformers characters as well so overall another good film another good transformers film but we'll be getting into that so look for that episode here in the future we want to invite you guys to join us on our facebook group page on instagram on twitter just do a search for credible nerds and you'll find us also check out our website crediblenerds.com and you'll find all our podcasts there and articles and all kinds of fun stuff. On our Facebook page, we do a, a weekly poll, fan opinion poll. And if you're on the winning side of that fan opinion, your name will be entered into a drawing. And you could win a, a cool, nerdy prize that's worth, you know, five, ten bucks. But it's something it's fun to join in. Currently, this week's poll is with the recent announcement of Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. Um, the poll is, do you like that pick or do you not and oh yeah we like it a lot it's gonna be so good <laughs> team at edward this, at this point it's uh one pretty one-sided that no am i the People's... only one that voted for him yeah so far <laughs> jeez <laughs> so, dang it but it's only day That's one like horrible <laughs> so yeah we got polls like that going on all the time a lot of it just depends on the recent news news announcements or film trailers or what have you but uh, check us out there on Facebook. Get a chance to win a cool prize. But um, definitely reach out to us if you have any questions or you listen to this episode and you're like, ah, I think Transformer sucks and I'm going to tell you why. Definitely email us or contact us on our social media sites and we'll have a discussion, maybe even have a discussion on the air. So definitely join in on the, the social media sites. So also support us on Patreon. Um, we like to... Keep pumping out the content and supporting us on pay- Patreon helps us uh, do more episodes more frequently. So join us there as well. So I want to thank you guys for joining us once again on this More Than Meets the Eye series. And we'll catch you next time. We'll see you guys. See you later.